If you are interested in investing in property, then this podcast is for you, as we hear from Dr. Jazz Gill, who's managed to balance a career as a doctor with a career as a property entrepreneur and as a mum. With her business partner, Alok Chanda, they tell us how they got started with property investment, their biggest mistakes, and how they can help you to get started on your property investment journey today. Now, You've probably got questions that you'd like to ask them. And unfortunately, the podcast medium doesn't allow questions and answers. But Jazz is holding a live webinar with questions and answers on the 22nd of September 2021. And you can sign up for that webinar to ask questions and hear more about Jazz's property developer mentorship program. And the link for that is in the description below. Of course, by now you know we are all about transparency at Medics Money. And if you sign up to Jazz's Paid For course, then that will help to support the Medics Money podcast and allow us to keep bringing you all the latest financial CPD for doctors. So head on to the link in the show notes below to sign up for the live free Q&A session on the 22nd of September 2021. Welcome to the Medics Money podcast. My name is Dr. Tommy Perkins and I'm a GP. And my name is Dr. Ed Cantelo, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. And yes, you did hear that right. Not only is Ed a doctor, he's also a chartered accountant and a tax advisor. Medics Money empowers doctors and other professionals like you to make better financial decisions. So on today's podcast, I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Jazz Gill and Alok Chanda. Morning, guys. Morning. Morning, Tommy. So for those of you that weren't on your previous webinar that we did together, do you just want to introduce yourselves? Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Yeah, thanks. I'm a GP, Dr. Jazz Gill. Um, I work in London. I'm also a property investor with a diverse commercial and residential property portfolio. And with my business partner, Alok, we host the People's Property Plaza, and that's an educational and networking event for property investors and property developers. Thank you, Jess. Um, I'm Alok Chanda. I, by profession, I'm a project program manager, having worked for 30 years for mainly American corporates like Oracle, Dell, uh, Verizon, and uh, but also for 30 years, I've been working on property and I've been doing that actually on the side, uh, executing multiple strategies. Um, I transitioned to doing this full time just a couple of years ago and um, utilizing all of the uh, skills and disciplines from project and program management into the property world. Awesome. And so, you know, both of you have other careers or had other careers, so to speak. And uh, But what made you uh, get started with your property career? That's a really good question, Tommy. And essentially, the answer is to make money. It's as simple as that. I love property as an asset class. Um And yes, I do have other income streams from other asset classes, stocks, shares, private equity, angel investment in startups. But the one I enjoy the most is property. You can really get stuck into it as much or as little as you like. So currently, I'm working on property deals with six-figure profit margins, gross development values well into seven figures. And it just shows that the ability to make money from property is real. And, and so long as you do it right, it's so achievable. The reality is that in medicine, yes, you can make good money, but you can't have that wealth generation. And you certainly can't do intergenerational wealth either. 
Um, so for me, that's what made me get started in, in property. It's about making that money, having that tangible asset and being able to grow it as well. Love it. Yeah. Alok? Yeah. And for me, I, I thought about this question and it's actually my father. He was um, a professional working at BT, but he did all sorts of ventures outside of his profession, uh, which included property. And what I realized is this, this is a way of taking control um, and moving away from that whole reliance of um, having income based solely uh, based on your time and your effort. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because doctors and, and your profession as well, like we're really good at trading our time for money. You know, you want more money, work more hours. Uh, and the reason why I also like property is that uh, you can break that cycle of trading your time for money. Um, and I, I love that. Um, but talking about time, yes, Jazz, I, I'm interested in to hear what you're saying. So I was also just going to add to that, that the other great thing about doing property is that it doesn't stop you from doing medicine. So for me, I've continued to enjoy doing medicine. I still practice as a GP, still getting to enjoy doing the family things that I do, having that really good work-life balance. And so you can be involved in property as much or as little as you like. So it really does suit the day job. Um, it's flexible, rewarding, and also then it gives you that win-win from all angles. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And um, that is a really, really good point. Like, yeah, I, I also still enjoy being a doctor, albeit part time. Um, but uh, that's a really good point. But um, we are talking about time a lot. And often when I'm talking to colleagues, they say, oh, I'm a doctor, I'm working 100 hours a week, I do not have time to invest in property. What would you say to those people? I, I personally would say that you've got to choose how you spend your time. And quite often, if you look at the time that you spend and you you realize, well, actually, I could sacrifice a few things and, uh, you know, to, to spend the time uh, educating yourself and, you know, uh, moving into sort of other classes like property, which actually, if engineered correctly, would could the result, like myself, is it actually gives me more time because you're, the asset is working for you. Yeah, Jazz, what would you say to your fellow doctors who say they don't have time? I would, uh, I would probably be quite direct. I'd say you definitely need to rethink and reevaluate your day. Um, if you're exchanging time for money, then that's not going to be a healthy or sustainable long-term strategy to make money. So yeah, sit down, have a look at your return on time and prioritize. I mean, because for a lot of us, it's very easy to just stay on the conveyor belt it's comfortable. It's, you know, we transition through our various stages in our career um, in medicine and as doctors. So it's easy to stay on that conveyor belt, but rethink things, sit down, have a look at that. And sometimes to take action does need a mindset shift, um, which will require you to think about your goals, where you want to be in five, 10, 15 years, and then start to think about working on your mindset and then taking that leap. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, uh, as I said, doctors are really good at trading their time for money. Um, and if you want to continue to do that, then that's cool. But um, I can highly recommend uh, not trading your time for money all of the time, shall we say. Um, now, I just want to jump back to something you said. You said some big numbers that you had some big deals on the go, six figures, etc. Okay. If I was a doctor listening to this and I've got you know not much money in my bank account, six figure deals sounds completely unobtainable. 
what what would you say around that you know where can you just get started because that sounded um you know quite quite a lot of money that i would need yeah so in terms of deals it was very interesting actually i would say a lot of when i started i was very cynical um in in what i heard about property um and that's that cynical approach technically slowed me down so i would hear things like people saying you can do deals with no money down or no money left in. And I wasn't believing it. I thought it was a scam, for example. Um, But it was only when I got educated about it, I learned about it a bit more, looked into it, and it's very achievable. The last, I think I've done four deals now with virtually no money left in. Two of those are no money left in. um, And the other two are are literally 2% left in. So 2% of funds left in that deal, which is virtually um, all your money out. And it was only when you when you get educated about it and you see the breadth of other options that you then start to understand, yes, this is tangible and there isn't a big chunk of deposit that's needed in order to, to achieve those kind of returns. Um, so it's all about educating yourself. And I think once you do that, you can then weigh up how much you've got in the pot and how much you're able to invest and also how much time you can then invest to that chosen strategy. So it builds up over time, but you've got to start somewhere. So do make that start. I love it. Like it's just like investing in stocks and shares as well. When I started, I was investing twenty-five pounds a month because that was all I had. It seemed totally pointless. But now, ten years later, trust me, it it ain't pointless. So I love that. Just get started. Starting is the hardest bit, I think. So um, let's talk about you know mistakes because there is the potential for big mistakes here but what mistakes do you see people making when they first start investing in property yeah you're, you're totally right Tommy that there are a lot of mistakes you can make in property and they can be very expensive so it's important to have done your due diligence it's important to get things right so I think one of the the biggest ones that I see people make is that they haven't educated themselves. They haven't taken that time out to learn where certain strategies work and where certain ones don't work. Um, So educating yourself is really important. And usually even just networking, speaking to people, you know, like we have case discussions about good cases and things that we missed in medicine, those sorts of things, that kind of group is important. And that comes from networking. So, and that's part of what we think about with, with the People's Property Plaza is having that community So it helps us talk about red flags, helps us spot when a deal might not be a good deal uh, so that you know when to pull out. You can think about when to renegotiate the price or the terms. And and I'd say the main thing is there, education and networking. The other one would probably be thinking that you can do it alone. I see a lot of people who who are starting out or even further on thinking they can do it on their own. And sometimes it's better to to split the risk either by doing things in joint venture or it's really good to have just discussed your deal with others so that you can have that um, trusted team around you that you kind of use as a sounding board, if you like, to understand what would work, what wouldn't work on that deal. And is it the right thing that you're doing? Is your your strategy there correct? So I'd say those two are probably the key. Yeah, I love it. And um, this question is for both of you, really, um, because... I'm sure, you know, getting to where you are now with property has been a quite a difficult journey and you've probably made plenty of mistakes. So are there any mistakes that you've made uh, that you think your colleagues could learn from? What's your biggest mistake, basically? Alok? Well, for me, it really is 
honestly, and not transitioning earlier to doing moving into property because as you probably know in most professions, if you spend if you have the time to spend uh, looking at something in a bit more detail and you know reiterating the previous points about going in eyes wide open, is that you can do things more efficiently and effectively when you have got the time to put those things in place. And and just to also say is that you know those those outcomes that we were talking about earlier, where you know you get you're getting your six figure uh, profit margins and everything. If you understand how it's done, and quite often I cite examples, and only then will people understand. Well, actually, yeah, it's it's you know it's entirely possible that um, you know that that's going to network meetings, listening to inspirational stories, all of that. And I'd say um, um, take again going back to the time point, spending that time to immerse yourself in it first and stand on the shoulders of of giants that have done it before. Love it. Jazz, do you want to confess? Yeah, for me, Tommy, <laughs> I would probably say um, I was guilty of, of the not speaking enough about it. Um, and so I remember looking back, the first couple of deals, um, it was, and it did feel a bit lonely. Um, and without having networked enough, it was difficult to choose, for example, the right architect, have the right financial broker on board, have the right power team around me. So I'd say that would probably be my biggest mistake. Um, and over the years, I've certainly built that. Um, and then the other one would have been the, the cynicism. So I literally didn't believe it was possible. Um, and now when I look back, it's it. I do see it set me back a few years, but having started, having educated myself about those things that I thought weren't true has really helped open up those doors and open my eyes, essentially. Yeah, uh, I love that. And I, I think this is really important, this community that you keep uh, mentioning. You're like, if you know the right people and you work work together as a community, uh, I think that could be really powerful. Um, I mean, digging a bit into what you just said about cynicism, this is something that I encounter all the time from our colleagues, specifically doctors. Why do you think doctors are cynical about these kind of things? I think it comes from being relatively risk averse. Um, I mean, even myself, even when I'm looking at property deals in, in medicine, yes, we're, we're very, you know, we think through things very carefully. We follow systems and processes. In property, there isn't so much a process. You have to go with partly a feel as well. And that's why you're kind of risk awareness things are heightened a little bit because there isn't a handbook for it um essentially i think the main the main reason for being cynical isn't a bad thing it actually makes you more aware of what things you need to look out for so when i'm purchasing at an auction for example i have my full checklist of stuff that i will go through so i i see it from both sides yes it's a negative and that sometimes it can hold you back but you use it to your advantage as well so that you really are calculating the risks. You really are looking at it from a holistic approach. So you, you're able to identify what bits could go wrong and then you mitigate those risks. Um, and if they're not able to be mitigated, then yeah, you pass on the deal. So from that point of view, I like to look at it in both ways, but I think we are cynical because that risk aversion is, is heightened. Um, but when we use it to our advantage, it certainly does help us look at deals in different ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, Alok, is there much cynicism from your fellow colleagues? Because you come from a, a different background to me and Jazz in your your uh, sort of first profession. Did you encounter much cynicism or any sort of holdups from your colleagues? No, actually, I was going to say, which I haven't really um, thought about before, is actually it's quite a, it's, it's an asset to to actually think about the risks. I mean, being a project program manager, it's natural for me. As I said, you know, when you're going into something, go in with your eyes wide open. Naturally, when you look at a risk, it's going to be heightened because you a haven't done it before, or it's a new field. So, but see that as an asset. See that as well. Actually, I want to dig deeper. I want to be in a position where I can truly assess that risk and make sure it's a calculated risk. So, I wouldn't. I wouldn't understand the cynicism, and I think that's quite healthy. And uh, that that's why I say when people go into properties that. Uh, yeah, do go through all of that. But a key point at the end is um, it's important to execute rather than procrastinate. So go in, do your analysis. As I said, eyes wide open, make a decision and do it because you'll learn by doing as well. I love it. Yeah. I think a lot of doctors have a, uh, what Jazz was saying, a mindset block because we're taught, you know, go to med school, do work hard uh, and you'll, you know, be remunerated for that. But we're stuck in this mindset of trading our time for money. And if somebody says to you, you're going to go to work as a doctor today. And by the end of the day, your property assets will have made you more money than you've earned in that day as a doctor. They just can't get their head around that. But um, as we've demonstrated, that is definitely uh, possible with the right strategy. So, yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, I think we're just saying, you know, if if you think it's for you, do your research, do get educated, but don't just procrastinate. Just do. I love that a lot. Um, okay, so some of these people listening to this might be thinking, right, you know, I want to get started in property. So, what would you say to somebody looking to get started in property? Uh, being a project program manager again, I'd say start with a plan. Um, the, the, for me, it's uh, okay. What is your income strategy? Your plan. What what strategies do you want to execute? Be the you know property or other asset classes, but then also then understand what those delivery vehicles are because you may want to say, actually, um, I've got a bit of time and I want to spend in that, or I'm short of time, so the There'll be different strategies to achieve your goals. And the first step is really to un- understand all of that. Yeah. And that's that's really true. And the other thing I would say is if you're looking to start in property, a really good step to do is actually take stock first. What do you have uh, in terms of your, your assets and liabilities? Look at your leaky basket if there is one. So look at your liabilities because you want to know where you're hemorrhaging cash, basically. You want to know where you might be having that leaky basket syndrome of, of, yes, you might have a good income coming in, but actually you're not holding on to much of it. So take stock first, then you'll work out where is it I can start investing? How much capital do I have? Or how much um, more do I need in order to invest? Or do I choose a strategy that suits the fact that I don't have so much capital? So you can always then decide what you do once you've taken stock um, and then you can move forward from there. And setting your five-year targets are really important because then it helps you break it down year by year so that you can start to work on it in a more, as Alok was saying, in a more programmed way. So you have that plan and then you can really set your goals within it. 
Oh, Jazz, I love it. You're speaking my language. You know, what you're saying is sort out your personal finances before you jump headlong into something like this. So, But I think that's a serious point because one thing I've noticed uh, running a business, if you think about your personal business, so your net worth, which is a measure of how much wealth you have, that is net worth is your assets take away your liabilities, right? And if you're running a business, your profit, uh, how much your business is worth is your income minus your expenditure. So you can apply exactly what Jazz just said by fixing your liabilities, uh, aka your expenditure, uh, and that will help improve your overall net worth, or if you're running a business, your overall profit. So I found a lot of skills from personal finance translate directly into running a business. So I think that's a really good point that you both made there. So some of our listeners, no doubt, um, have already got some property investments on the go. So what tips could you give to those people um, to help improve them? Yeah. Yeah, I've come across a lot of doctors who are already investing, um, which is great. So, you know, you're already investing, keep investing, but also keep learning. It's a bit like the CPD, continuing professional development. We have to keep doing it. And the reason is that I know it sounds so cliched, but you don't know what you don't know. And essentially, I, I know colleagues who are investing in either regular buy to lets, we call them vanilla buy to lets, or some of them HMOs, and they haven't heard or learned about the newer strategies or not even newer new to them when they learn about it but the other strategies which they could be implementing which would actually give them a better return on their investment so you know it's always worth yes understanding that investments are good but you could actually gear them up a notch um, and be earning a better return on your investment Um, and sometimes that can be through a more hands-off approach sometimes it could be just a more efficient approach Uh, Or it could be something that requires less of your time. So there's always ways that you can tweak your investments so that you are maximizing your returns. You are maximizing your efficiency on those returns as well. Uh, My, my, in addition to that, I would say that, um, yeah, if you've got, you know, it's great. They've taken the first step. They've got a number of properties and it still needs to anchor back and align to what your goals are. And like jazz, like myself, I loved my my profession, and it was it wasn't a situation where it was an escape. It was actually I wanted to do both. So, if the first thing is to think about what is it you want to achieve, yeah, you've made the first step. You're at level one or whatever, and then you say, well, what do I want to do? Actually, I want to, you know, shift away, or I want to have finger in both pies, but develop that plan first that will take you to where you want to be. And quite often that's the hardest thing in my profession as well is often they, there's a phrase that says you give the user what they asked for and only then will they tell you what they want because, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to define what kind of lifestyle you want. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And um, yeah, good point about giving users uh, what they want. Um, Okay. Now, we can only scratch the surface today. This has been so interesting. Um, but you do have a, a course and a community to help people get started. And you also have a webinar, a live webinar, where you're going to go into a lot more detail for those uh, interested. Is that right? Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, that's right, Tommy. Um, a lot and I love teaching. Um, and, and in terms of experience, we've got a wealth of experience there. And overall, it all boils down to that growth mindset. So. The two of us, we love learning. We 
look back at every venture and property deal we do, look at the key skills that you picked up from it, the key red flags that you would be more aware of next time. And we love passing on that information. So we share that in our community on a monthly basis. We have um, People's Property Plaza meetings. The one we want to share here is actually a webinar about property investing. So we want doctors to be able to access this information as well. So we've got a webinar. It's, it's an hour webinar on the 22nd of September at 8 p.m., which people can register and sign up for. I think you'll pop the link in later. Um, and it will be a really good way of people understanding how they can get started. And if they are already started in property, then how they can actually learn about other ways of, of making their money work better for them. Perfect. Yeah, I'll drop the link in the comments below, uh, show notes below, twenty uh, second of September. And I think if you are serious about getting started, then you know you can join your community and and get uh, really serious. Okay. I mean that was so useful, and I know so many of our listeners are going to find this really useful. I always like to end the podcast with uh, the question of if you could go back in time to the start of your career, Jazz as a doctor, Alok as a, a project manager, what would you do what would you advise your then self to do differently i would still do medicine i love it um so i wouldn't say change direction or do something different so i love being a doctor i would say to myself do this a lot earlier so i would have chosen strategies that i could have implemented in a in a much earlier way because remember what i was saying about being cynical i thought there were other ways in which you should do it you needed the pot you needed to invest it in certain ways whereas i think if i'd opened my eyes earlier um to the various other strategies then yeah you'd be years ahead by now so it's about educating yeah starting early is always good uh Alok, what words of wisdom would you give your younger self i'd say um take the risks as early as possible. Um, in the project program management world, that means, for example, taking on the larger projects, not shying away from that, because you will learn so much. Um, and I guess, yeah, sometimes you think, well, I don't know the area, I, you know, I haven't got enough experience, etc. But you're only going to get that if you put your hand up, um, and and be counted and and actually go in and take on those things that are a bit more um, uncomfortable. So as a program manager, you have to be comfortable with uncertainty, and that's what I'd say. Brilliant, yeah, uh, is brilliant. I love it. Okay, that was so useful. Thank you so much for your time. I will drop the link in the show notes if you want to join the webinar on the twenty second of September. 2021 if you're listening on catch up on the replay and you've missed it um i will also pop uh, your guys contact details in there so that they can get in touch in case they miss that date uh thank you so much for your time and look forward to catching up with you on the 22nd of september take care both of you Fantastic. Thank you so much, yeah. take care bye bye